ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, my name is Candace King. Welcome to a Super Bloom podcast, where I'm asking others who've experienced their own roadblocks, grief, or tough times to share in how their experiences went on to feed their souls, to talk about the events and passions in their life that allowed them to grow and super bloom into their next chapter. Join me every Thursday for brand new episodes. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Hello, everyone. I'm very happy to have a look at another country today and do some map tracing. This is a beautiful little roadmap of Bulgaria with a focus on the Black Sea resorts. So it says here Varna, Burgas, Albina, Golden Sands, Sunny Beach. So some areas that sound really lovely and fancy. And before we get into it, just briefly want to say if you'd like to send me a map, you can do so. Many of you already know that I have a post box and all the details are in the description below. So if you have something that you really want me to look at, feel free to send it to me and I'll be happy to look at it together with you. Alright, so apart from this road map, we also have a little see and tell here of Pomoria Bay and the Eastern Balkan Mountains. There's a cute little logo here of Bulgaria. There's quite a lot of info in there. As you can see, about tourism, fishing, gourmet and wine, different traditions and it's a bit of a funny style like here it praises the different wines that you've had here since ancient times and you have sentences like this one on the background of so clear and unique wine the visitors may indulge in most pleasant emotions I kind of love this beautiful little collection of information but we're going to start with the roadmap side with Bulgaria and on the other side we again have a couple of these seaside resorts that we'll look at afterwards. If you are not too familiar with the country 
it's in southeastern Europe borders on Romania here in the north and the border here follows the flow of the Danube River west to east and then eventually the Danube keeps a little further north and then here we have the Danube Delta by the Black Sea right here So the Black Sea is the border in the east and in the west we have Serbia right here and here it says F-Y-R-O-M which is the former Yugoslavian Republic of Macedonia or sometimes also listed as North Macedonia In the south we have Greece and then here we have a little land border between Greece and Turkey or Turkia and then we're back by the Black Sea so as you can imagine the Black Sea coast is quite beautiful and great for going on a holiday but there are many many other places in Bulgaria that look absolutely stunning personally I've never been there but of course I've looked through a lot of photos and some documentaries and kept thinking it looks a little like a European New Zealand lots of mountains absolutely gorgeous landscapes waterfalls glacial lakes all kinds of wild forests so really really gorgeous of course here in the north along the Danube the land's a little more flat which you can see based on the green colour here but then if we go a little further south we can see that one of the mountain ranges goes right through the middle of the country and this is the Balkan mountain range which eventually gave its name to the entire region here we have Sofia the capital and then in the south we have again quite a mountainous region we have the Rila mountains Pirin and Hodopi the biggest city as you can quite 
clearly see, of course, is the capital. So it's, I think, just a little smaller than Vienna. Just under two million. One and a half. I didn't write that down, I admit. And the entire country is a bit smaller than my home country in terms of population. But that's largely because a lot of people from Bulgaria have emigrated in the last 30 or 40 years. So this is a country that's been shrinking, but you also have a lot of great opportunities. And it looks like, especially in tourism, this looks really like a great place to visit. But we'll go through that in a minute. The second largest city is here, Plovdiv. And then here along the Black Sea coast you have Velna and Borkas. And one thing that's quite fascinating is that a lot of these places have traces of settlements that date back uh, not just a few thousand years, but many, many thousand years. Here in the region of Vana, there are traces of human settlements that are 100,000 years old. So that's really, really impressive. And then, of course, Bulgaria in general has a really rich history. You might remember when we talked about the Turkic languages that the Bulgars, who gave their name to the country, moved in from the north. They were Turkic tribes that then later mixed with the local population, at the time Slavic people, and later adopted the language. But before the Bulgars came in and established their empires, you had lot of influence from Greece, you had Celtic people move through, you had the Scythians, Thracians, lots and lots of different people here. And then of course after the Middle Ages was part of the Ottoman Empire, so you have quite a lot of influence from that region too. But I'm going to have a closer look at this area here. Because that's the one I watched in a little documentary and it looked incredibly stunning. So here we have Rila. And I have to admit, I'd never heard of this area, of these mountains. But they are among the largest mountains in Europe. The highest peak is called Musala, and it's 2,925 meters. And I don't know if we can find it on this map. Oh, there it is. Right here. These are the six largest mountains in Europe and the largest between the Alps and the Caucasus. The area is 
quite important because as you can imagine when you have mountains you also have a lot of water sources and this is where the water for the entire region comes from including the capital there's also quite a famous site here the seven Irrela lakes and I don't think that we can find them on this map here but basically they are seven connected lakes so the water flows down from the higher ones to the lower ones and eventually it forms a river it's quite a famous site and really really beautiful what we do see here is a monastery which dates back to the 10th century it's quite important also culturally but if you do visit it, which you can just keep in mind that the buildings today are not original from the 10th century of course that's often the case that things have been rebuilt and in the case of this monastery here it's also been destroyed more than once and then rebuilt so the oldest parts are from the 13th 14th century and a lot of it is relatively new from the 19th century but i think part of the reason why this monastery has thrived for so long is probably also because this is a really remote area if you look at it you can see that you have a couple of roads leading inwards into the mountains but there's no connection across so there's just an endpoint with these little huts So there's no road through the mountains, you have to go around them. Nonetheless, they're also quite popular for skiing, for example. Generally here in this area, especially if we go a little further south to the Pierin Mountains, skiing's really popular here. And you have some of these southernmost glaciers in all of Europe. As you can imagine, Greece is right here, so we're quite far south, all things considered. But since we have a lot of mountain ranges, you do have a lot of cold weather, and the snow keeps and forms glaciers. So this part here, again, absolutely gorgeous. If you look up some pictures, you have a lot of national parks with wild animals like bears and wolves and you have one of the biggest skiing resorts here in the area which is Pansko right here and you can tell this is quite easy to reach you have a nice big road that takes you there One thing I forgot to mention about the Irrila Mountains You also have some semi-wild horses there Which of course 
is interesting to me <laughs> as a former horse girl. There's a Bulgarian horse breed that's protected and some of the herds are semi-wild up in the mountains and only come down for winter. It's a very robust breed. With the Piri Mountains, there's an interesting little details about the name. There's one possibility that it just comes from an old word that basically means Rocky Mountains, which is a, probably an apt description. But there's another theory that it might be from an old Slavic god called Perun was the most important deity in the Slavic pantheon and the god of thunder and lightning. I don't know, maybe it's a little bit of both. And then finally, here we have Rodopi stretching out across quite a large area and again just an absolutely gorgeous landscape that reminds me a little bit of what the Alps look like but we haven't really talked about the Balkans yet Again, I think a fascinating mountain range right through the middle of the country. But unlike the Rilla Mountains, you do have a lot of connections north to south here. Some larger roads, like here, or here. cities, north and south. And then here, this looks like quite a small connection. And you can tell here that this is probably quite steep. Same here. Based on how this little road just snakes through. So like I said, it's this mountain range here that gave the entire peninsula its name. And the origin is probably from a Turkic language, which makes sense historically. And the fascinating part, which I didn't know, is that in Turkmenistan, where people speak a Turkic language, you also have some Balkan mountains. Because the name really just means mountain, so very descriptive. These here, however, are also known as old mountains. Stava Planino. And I think that name is up too. Because again, 
there are traces of very early human presence with some cave paintings and you know that I love this and one little detail that I really adore as well is that you can find Edelweiss here which is a small white flower really typical for the Alps and protected here you might remember it from the advent calendar series I did last December I tried to grow some which unfortunately didn't work but if you're interested in a plant you can look it up or if you can't sleep just yet after this video and then finally here along the Black Sea coast other two large cities and two very old cities Varna here like I said is very very old and it used to be known as Odessos during the Greek area it's possible that Varna was a little, maybe a camp or a settlement right next to the original city. It's not quite clear. And another possibility is that Varna is a name of Scandinavian origin. You probably know that the Varangians came all the way down here on the rivers to the Black Sea, the Caspian Sea, even further to the Mediterranean and this part here in Swedish Vern means something like shield or defense so it's possible that you meant fortified place but again that's a little speculative the city itself is definitely older than the Varangians and it was known for a while under both names but eventually stuck with Varna it was an important port for many many centuries also in the Ottoman Empire and today all along the coast you have beaches, summer resorts, you have hot springs with sulfur doesn't really smell that nice but it's apparently very very good for your joints and then here we have Pomorie which I think just means by the sea we had this area in uh, Poland all the way along the Baltic Sea called Pommern in German which just comes from Pomoria by the sea so I'm pretty sure that's the same name and a couple of interesting lakes because some of them are saltwater lakes which is quite unusual all things considered Let's have a closer look at that region. 
of the two large cities at these here. I can tell this means center. It's a historic city center. In Nirvana we have a park. Next to the Black Sea. And as always, you can tell this is the city center just by how these roads take you across curves and corners and only a few of them, like this boulevard here, look like they've been planned this looks like it's just grown over time Then in Volkers, that's the corner right here. But then here we have some newer areas that clearly have been planned out. And I'm not familiar enough with Bulgarian history. But these are clearly named after some important people. Wasilevsky, Yosef Tsar, San Stefano. There'll be plenty of things to read up on. And then these two places, I think this is uh, Sunny Beach. And then this is Golden Sands. And if this sounds like a tourism area, I think then that's just the right name. I kind of love how you look through this, and it's just the hotel of the hotel with some quite interesting names. There are two coliseums. Colosseum and Colosseum 2. There's the Mena Palace. Do we have Holiday Club? Kalina Garden, the Royal Central. We have an Aqua Park. There's Diamond, another palace. Mercury, Venus, and now oh, that's even a Sun Palace. So the Jupiter, so these must go together. We have Sapphire and the Astoria. So sounds quite nice. Of course, the same here along the Riviera in Golden Sand. Here's another interesting city where you cross a bridge to get to the historic city center. 
and I was very surprised by this. I haven't been able to find them. Ah, here's number one. Have a look at that. That's the Bayerische Hof. The Bavarian court. It's also a white house. Prince Cyril, of course. Very important person in the history of Bulgaria. Cyril and Methodius. They also have a street named after them right here. Kirill and Methodi. Who created these Slavic letters. So I'm sure there's plenty of roads named after them. I think it's a really lovely map. I love how the uh, information is in three languages, in English, French and German. And as a little aside, I'm also really lucky with it because it's written in the Latin alphabet, so it's a bit easier for me to read. But Bulgaria, in general, uses Cyrillic, as you can see here on these adverts. So, specifically for tourists, probably. We also have some information here on the back, some basic data for Bulgaria. There's just over 7 million in terms of population. The language is Bulgarian, religions are Christian, Orthodox and Islam. The average altitude is 470 meters and the highest mountain, we already know that, Musala Peak, 2,925 meters. Over 500 mineral springs. The currency is the live. And there's a number of public holidays from New Year to the day of Bulgaria's liberation from Ottoman domination, 3rd of March. Then there's Easter, Labor Day, the day of the Bulgarian army, both in May. And like I just said, very important. They have the Bulgarian Enlightenment and culture and Slav script, so Cyril and Methodius Day. On the 6th of September we have Union Day, when the Ottoman Protectorate of Eastern Romania was free to join the independent Bulgarian Principality in 1885. And a bit later, the Bulgarian Independence Day, and then eventually the Christmas holidays. So, plenty of uh, commemoration of leaving the Ottoman Empire. And one thing that I thought was interesting here of the Christmas holidays, it says 24th, 25th and 26th of December. Here in Austria we only have the 25th and the 26th of, so it's only two days which are holidays. Even though our most important celebration is on the 24th. So I think we could uh, get some inspiration here from Bulgaria.
and like I said, I really love this little this little booklet here where we learn all kinds of things about the geographic features of the region and seaside tourism about spas and cultural tourism you can do pilgrimage here eco and rural tourism you can enjoy food and wine you can go fishing and hunting there's all kinds of sports and culture events here there are phenomenal natural monuments and the city of Pomori itself takes its guests or travel back in time to the ancient times of the Thracians. The area is a very attractive place for fishing lovers. The lovers of nice food have the opportunity to taste and even try cooking local dishes from recipes dating generations back. There's something for the wine connoisseurs. The region is abundant in the nuances of the drink of life to the supreme delight of wine lovers. I just absolutely love the term in this. Personally, I probably would have cut these texts a bit shorter, but it's really nice and of course the photos are very beautiful too, especially the colors here. And like I said, there are some hot springs with temperatures up to 51 degrees Celsius. And as I see, for example, there's one which flows freely without being used. It's unsuitable for drinking, but has extremely good healing qualities. Oh, there's a butt, I don't think I can show you that. But there are some famous mud baths that you can take with this black mud that's very good for the skin and I assume for the joints. There's a salt museum. And I particularly like these traditional outfits for the different festivities. I don't know, maybe it's something about the mountains. I just feel like there's a connection there. Really love that. understand why the wines are being so praised here because of course these are really old as well and date back to the 
the times of ancient Greece. Alright, and here's even some cultural events like folk fairs, music, the language of tolerance with a traditional Turkish folklore festival, children's theatre, there's painting, open air, another children's festival, a bard festival. Sounds really lovely. So, a booklet with some character, I think, I can say. I hope you enjoyed this and you learned a little bit about this country in the southeast of Europe. So, until next time, I hope you sleep well and I'll see you soon. Good night.